I want to just track the things that I think are related to my sleep, right? Because uh, because and then with a specific question, because then you can also, as you're looking through the data, you can now analyze it critically. Because you can say like, I think alcohol impacts my sleep, uh, so I'm going to start tracking it, but not change my behavior because you're trying to find out. Right. You could, of course, just stop doing that because it's probably a good thing to do. Right. But yeah. If Instead of being like, know. I'm going to drink every night for two weeks and see how that <laughs> yeah. goes. And then. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 340 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the Game Dev Comedy Podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I stayed up too late like a youth. I'm Sam. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is December 2th, 2021. Dunk on everyone. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be profanity in this show. And we'd like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, I want to talk about I want to talk about a conspicuous absence this week. Oh, is it? Is it not there? <laughs> is, it no, is it no follow-up? So... so the past three weeks, Bam182 donated each week and sent a one-word message saying, you all are. Maybe and now, this is the sort of like, it's the pause. It's actually, like, it's like a comma. You right. know what I mean? Taking a breath. Yeah. Building the tension. I assume the next one's going to be a screamed word because he's got to pull in all that air. I hope it's yeah. just all caps, fools, really, with many, many, many O's. I mean, yeah, I feel good. like one right now, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's also possible that since we, you know, since we joked about how Bam could have saved a lot of money by using more aggressive contractions. By switching to contractions. Then mm-hmm. now, now they got to, you know, make up their investment and take a few weeks off. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. While they're like, oh, yeah, new contractions for the rest yeah. of it. Trying to fit the yeah. rest of the thing into one contraction. Yeah, you know, financial responsibility is important. Yeah. So, is it possible uh, that, that there is one, but just by the time that the stocks got compiled for the show for the episode, it wasn't in there yet? Oh, it could be. Could That's be possible. Well, I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah. Uh, all right, Sam, you got a story. I want to hear about it. I do. So, uh, spin so me a yarn. Yeah, I'm gonna take you on a bit of a ride. So, uh, buckle up. You know, okay. Every every year, uh, my wife is a very big celebrations person. Okay, loves kind of going over the top, being excited about stuff. It's what she's about. Okay, so every every she's, holiday, she's season, the kind of person who who celebrates things that other people don't even notice have happened. Sometimes, yes. you yeah. know, she's uh, she's the excitable sort, which is why she's yeah. very fun to be around. So, as is tradition, uh, you know, years every year in the past. Sometime after Thanksgiving, we go and uh, harvest ourselves a tree to put up in the house, as you know, as custom suggests for the holiday season. And it's always a big deal. You know, it's fun to go out and slice your own tree uh, to hear its soul screaming as it is uh, unrooted from the earth, and bring that mm-hmm. you know uh, horrifying sacrifice to Santa Claus into the house that Santa Claus doesn't uh, kill our whole family. Santa demands blood. Yeah. I mean, it's just part of it. It's just sort of a workaround. You do tree blood counts. Yeah. I saw somebody made the note that Santa Claus fits like the mythical definition of a boogeyman. Oh, hundred percent. Just leave that there. Yeah. It's interesting. So we, uh, you know, we, we like doing this little, this tree cutting ceremony thing. And so it was our first one in the Northeast. We got to do it with Dinah's family, the Zang clan. And we go out, uh, 
tree hunting, find one, find the perfect one. It's tall. It's got some strong limbs. You can hang some ornaments on. Uh, How do you keep the trees from seeing you while you're hunting them? Is there so some a big sort part of, like, of it is a camouflage technique. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it the same so, strategy that like deer hunters use and stuff, or is there some other kind of camouflage? Yeah, thing? you got to spray yourself with 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 tree sap uh, smell yeah, yeah. so that they don't think that there's another kind. Oh, of I figured right, right, I figured right. it would just go the other way, right? Because like when you're when if you're hunting deer, then you pretend to be a tree, so you like hide in the trees and you look like a piece of wood. So I, mm. I figured I figured you would just try to look like a deer. But deer, like yeah, trees. They, they eat bark off of trees, and you're like, deer, fuck trees up. So. Yeah, so yeah but say, trees so. are so slow, like they can't escape, so it's fine. Yeah, uh, you do want to get dressed up as a squirrel, typically, actually. So we found the best mm-hmm. technique. So Okay. Uh, so yeah, you dress up as a squirrel, you spray yourself with tree sap smell, so the trees can't yeah. see nor hear or, nor smell you coming, right? Yeah, They're very uh-huh. tuned in. Um, but anyways, I'm getting to what the actual story is, which is uh, we cut down this tree, <laughs> and then I go to pay for it. And on the way to pay for it, we're walking in this cute little barn, and there's all these ornaments, you know, and various holiday bedazzlements about. And Diana has apparently already picked one that she wants, so she's like, oh, can we get this ornament? And we wander over to it. She holds it up, and it's this Santa Claus uh, attached to a hot air balloon, you know, two little pieces kind of floating together. Very cute. And I was like, yes, $7, let's go. So we go to check out, and, uh, and this is where things get a little perplexing because the woman behind the counter, as we're checking out, paying for this tree, paying for this ornament, she goes, oh, have you guys, have you been to Paris like your Santa? And Diane and I both are like, what? And I'm so caught off guard that I just immediately uh, sort of fumble something out, which happens to be a lie. So I just go- Now, hold, hold on, hold on. Hasn't every Santa been to Paris? I mean, yeah. Well, that's I mean, that's that true. like that's Santa's true, whole I, thing. That's true. <laughs> that is true. But I want you. I want you to focus on that just yet. So okay. So okay. yeah, we 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 pay for the things. Now I'm just very confused, and I immediately just sort of blurt out a lie because I don't know what's happening. I'm like, ah, uh, I've been to Paris, but I tell her no, and then Diana says yes, but not with him, which now sounds odd from like a you know who knows who where she's been to Paris, who she's been to Paris with, uh, but not this guy, and. Now we're just kind of like looking at this lady, and then she says, "Oh, it'll be it'll be a nice place to go sometime." And I almost say, "Like, yeah, whatever the pandemic's over." I just sort of like, you know, so tired of this shit sort of thing. Stock response. Yeah, but I, I mean, I keep it, you know, I keep it. I'm like, okay, yeah. And then we kind of pack up, and we leave, and both of us are just kind of like, "What was that about?" Get in the car, driving home, and Diana uh, has a little gift bag with the ornament in it, and pulls the ornament out, and sees for the first time somehow that on the back of that hot air balloon, in like huge 3D relief format is uh-huh. the word Paris with a giant <laughs> Eiffel Tower on it that somehow both of us did not see despite uh-huh. the fact that she had held it up <laughs> and both of us had looked at it and inspected it for a bite. Well, I assume you both looked at it, you know, from the same direction. And then when you handed it to the person, she saw the other side of it, you Which, know, because she was on the other side of the counter. Yeah. So somehow you never rotated <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because we definitely like you see the sand at the bottom. We definitely turned it to see it, but I think what it is like the bulbous that particular shape was such that like even though that backside was essentially it felt like someone just glued like a huge set piece on the back of this thing. However, that the bulbousness of that balloon was <laughs> just somehow like perfectly blocked it, unless you really were like looking at it. Uh, and so it, it explained everything, but also then made us both very concerned. Cause we we're like, wow, how did you go? You want to go ahead and just buy something. And apparently, you know, the back, like on one side of it, you just haven't actually looked at it at all. You think, you know, a Santa Claus, you know, and then he turned it around. Well, uh, 
This is the this is the attentional blindness problem, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is something we laugh about whenever we're making interfaces, which is that uh, if something if somebody isn't looking directly at a thing, then it essentially doesn't exist, mm-hmm. right? And, and even sometimes, sometimes when they are looking at, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even sometimes if they look at it, but but they're thinking about something else, then it also doesn't exist, yep. right? Like their like their full attention has to go to it, and so yeah, even though you rotated it. You rotated it, but you were looking down at the Santa at the bottom. That's also right? possible. So like, so like the words were like, you know, two inches higher than where you were looking. And that's, yeah, that's basically, it might as well have been be, on the moon at yeah. that point. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, okay, well, those, I, got, I got- It's one of those scenarios oh, yeah. where it's like, you can't tell if someone's like trying to bring you into an inside joke, right? That they think- Exactly. Or, or some yeah. sort of like shared experience yeah. <laughs> that, because I've, I've had these on a number of occasions where somebody will like- says him that clearly implies they think that we share something, right? Mm-hmm. And then in my brain, I'm going, okay, what is why? What is the thing, and why would the person think that? So I'm trying to figure out, like, yep. what is it that we can have in common that? And it's like you know, it's stuff like I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and I had used the word grok, G-R-O-K, mm-hmm. uh, which programmers use all the time. They kind of like adopted this word. It means like to really get, un- like to really get or understand something. Uh, and, but it's, it's origin. It was invented by, uh, Heinlein in one of his old sci-fi books. So I knew that factually, right. And I've mm-hmm. read all, like many of those books, including the one that has that in it a long time ago. Right. And I don't remember like any of the details, but I use the word grok all the time. So the person I was talking to like saw that and it's not a programmer. Right. And so the connection to the word that they had was the mm-hmm. Heinlein connection, and so they got excited and they were like, oh, but we could start talking about like Highland stuff, you know? And I was, <laughs> but it took me a second to like figure out what was happening. And like, and they clearly thought that I would like know a lot more and like be like really familiar. Why else in the would moment. you use the word grok? Because yeah, right? exactly. Why else yeah. would I use that? It was just like, this funny kind of, because in the moment too, I was like, it's like, wait, what's happening? And I was like, oh, well, right. I'm like, I'm, I'm understanding what's happening, but now I'm like five seconds behind, mm-hmm. you know, where I'm supposed to be. So yeah, it's, uh, can, well, and it's then a there's hilariously the, like the, dangerous move. You know, to, yeah, to, there's oh, also yeah. those aspects of those exchanges where somebody, especially like if they're excited about something, they're happy about it, they tell a joke about it or whatever. Uh, that's clearly like a deep cut, you know, that you mm-hmm. would have to like be in the know to get. And they'll do this and then you have no idea what they're talking yeah. about, right? But then you think like, I don't really want to get into it. And I yeah. also don't want to def- I don't want to deflate this person's excitement, so I'm going to laugh anyway and just like kind of go along keep, with it, and then the see if I can ease, get the you know just yeah, like let it ride. see if I can get the conversation to move on. But then in the back of your mind, you always had that thing where like, man, I hope they don't call me out on this <laughs> <laughs> or reference it later. You're like, oh no, because it's like it's like lie laughing, right? Like you're la- like it's, you don't understand it at all, and it's not funny to you, but you see that they are having a good time, so you chuckle about it. But if they pressed you on it or if somebody else was like, do you even know what that means? Then you'd be like, well, no. And then they'd be like, why are you laughing then? You know, and then that would be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty rare, I think. I think yeah, you yeah. can get away with it. Most of the time. <laughs> uh, all right. So I got something I want to talk about, which yeah, is pretty cool. And it's actually, it actually relates to what we talked about last week. The question of how do you sleep at night? Okay. I was going to say, what did we talk about last week? But now I know. Um so just by chance, this is a, was a little bit of a circuitous rep. But so last week, we got the question about how do you sleep at night? So we talked about the idea of tracking things, which is like, if you want to improve stuff in your life, whether it's sleep or exercise or diet or just, you know whatever it is, um, first, you have to know what the heck is going on and try to figure out what 
it is that you're doing that might be positively or negatively affecting your ability to do the things that you want to do, right? As as Carta says in, in the original Crashlands, you know, if you want to get where you're going, you first have to know where you are, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Carta was sort of a DevOps prophet in That's a true. way. Mm-hmm. So a few days later, maybe over the weekend or something, I saw a post on Reddit where, where somebody had done an experiment uh, them and their significant other had done an experiment over uh, 18 months where each month they changed one aspect of their sleep routine and tracked their sleep quality. And then they tried to figure out like which things would af- would affect their sleep quality the most. Um, and, then I, and it was like a really cool looking graph and stuff like that. And then at the bottom, there was a little thing just like bearable bearable.app or something, as in like, you know, the word bearable. Um, And so I looked it up and it's a pretty cool tracking app. It it essentially has dozens and dozens of different dimensions upon which you can track all kinds of, of both inputs and outputs. So you can like track the times of your medications, your food, uh, even like your bowel movements, all co- like whatever it is you want to track, you can track those things. Um, and then also you can, you track your mood and energy levels and stuff like that. Um, just like how you're feeling. Right. And so over time it starts to build up correlations and, and show you sort of, for example, if you have symptoms that you're tracking like headaches or nausea or, you know, whatever, uh, then it'll start to show you which of those things are linked together or which mm-hmm. of those things correlate with certain medications or certain dietary things, stuff like that. Um, and so what's cool about it is that, you know, there's a lot of different apps out there for tracking very specific things, right? You might have like a workout tracker, you might have a time tracker, you might have whatever, but all they do is one dimensionally track that thing. Mm-hmm only. And so what's cool about this bearable thing is that it tracks both sides, right? It tracks what you're doing and then you track the outcome of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so it actually allows you to more easily draw some inferences about things over time, Mm. uh, which is pretty great and is very easy to use. Uh, so definitely, definitely check that out. So if you've been been sponsoring with, they would like to. You know. Yeah, but now they don't have to because we already did the we already did all the work. Um, <laughs> I have a I have a que- I have a question. Oh, it, had, it does have dark mode. Yes, Adam. That was not going. To be <laughs> my question. Oh, so oh, was, well, but that was a, that was a good thing to point out because your yeah. moment I would open that app if it wasn't a dark mode, I'd be like, oh no, yeah, exactly. This is the end. <laughs> uh, so, question: Does it yeah. have a mechanism by which it will just like you can have it on like a random timer or something, just ask you a question? Yeah. Well, awesome. it's it's. It's that you can you can set check-ins, so then it, it'll sort of like it'll pop up a notification on your phone, right? Yeah, and then you pop it open. But you can technically at that point just track whatever you want. So you can check mm-hmm. in with your your mood or your your energy levels or you know um, update various things. Yeah, because that's actually one of the yep. things that's really effective for trying to figure out. Because uh, when you're trying to get somebody to, to look, because you can't retrospectively actually know what happened. It's not possible. People are bad at yeah. that kind of a thing. Uh, so the best way to actually find out what's going on is to interrupt you while a thing is happening and ask you what's happening right now, you know, which of course sucks for concentration, uh, but is really good for actually knowing like, oh, this is what actually happened. Right. So that's, so that's yeah. cool. What, what's also kind of cool about it is that, is that it's one of the, one of the least opinionated trackers mm-hmm. that I've seen. That's good. So one of the, one of the things they have is they have a section that's just called like factors, which 
means anything that, can that cause anything that might affect another thing. And so you can you can just custom create factors, which is just a word, right? It's like I have a factor that's like the dogs are at home. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm. And so then it's like and, and so you can so they you it buckets it out by six hour chunks. So it's like, you know, midnight to six AM, six AM to noon, right? So so on a given day, I'm, I'm looking at like what my plan is for the day. It's like, okay, well, I know that like the dogs are going to be home, you know, the whole day, right? So I can just like check those those four little time slots, right, mm-hmm. for that factor. And since factors can be literally anything, right, like I worked today, I exercised, the dogs were at home, I didn't watch TV, you know, like whatever it is, um, or I did watch TV, that would, that would also mm-hmm. be a factor, right? So the idea is that is that they will just start to build up a library of interactions over time between literally any of these factors hmm. and then various symptoms and moods and experiences that you have, you know, in the long run. So and then they also do they can also do like time linked things, which is like which is like, are there factors that are linked to next day effects on your mood or two Ooh. days later or a week later? Or simultaneous effects, right? Like, if you take this certain drug, uh, do you have symptoms that day? What about three days later? You know, or if you work out, if you work out one day, does your mood improve the next day? Right? Um, you can you can get that information out of this thing. So, like, it's uh, it's it's pretty robust. Yeah, yeah I'm very sweet. pumped that's, about it. That's very cool. I have two statistics notes on that. Yeah. So number one. Correlation uh, does not apply causation. <laughs> yeah. That was actually gonna be but yeah, we'll hit that. That was that one's yeah. yeah so that cor- one's. And, and but but that's you know it doesn't mean like don't use this stuff, right? It just means like be careful about how like earnestly you interpret the the correlations. Yeah. Uh, but it's for two reasons. One is because it doesn't equal causation because there could be joint causes for things and, and whatever, right? Uh but the other thing is actually more interesting and subtle, which is that the more things you measure, yeah, the more false correlations that you'll discover. Yep. Right. And so this is also an inherent danger of this. I use the word danger, but it's not actually dangerous. But you get right. So, but it's an inherent sort of a concern about trying to draw inferences from something like this because its whole purpose is to be like track everything and all yeah. of that. But its whole thing is like I'm going to look for every possible connection I could find. Like, even if it's like, we look at the five day span, like, you know, it's like the three day span, whatever. Right? So the more stuff you look at, the more likely it is that you're going to find something, even if it's not real. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so this is a really, this is a known, really difficult problem to deal with in like, in all of the sciences, right. There's like different methods for correcting your statistics, but it basically means unless there's a really big effect, like a really big, strong connection between things, then you shouldn't believe it. Right. Even if it's, yeah. even if there is a connection, but if it's not strong, if it's not big, mm-hmm. then it's more likely to be false than true because you looked at so many things. And this is actually one of the reasons why so many things that we think are true about biology and other things where we're measuring lots of stuff uh, turn out to be false is because mm. when people were doing the experiments, they were like looking at every dimension they could think of for like trying to find something that happened. And, so, and then they did because just by chance, you know, because like the uh, Anybody who's done statistics, there's a whole like p-value thing, which everyone's like, it's very confusing and weird, right? But it basically means how likely is this size of an effect to happen just by chance? Randomly. Yep. Just randomly, right? Yeah. And usually the cutoff for that is like something like 5% or 10%, depending on the field. If it's in physics, to me it's like seems, that tiny, seems so. high to me. Yes, it is like, high. Either yeah, like it means one in 20 times. times. Or one in 20 times, yeah. Yeah, one in 20 times, it'll just be like, yeah, this isn't even real and it's just an accident. Yeah, right? so if you take like 10 factors, right? 
and then like 10 outcomes and then ask how they relate to each other, right? That's already at least 100 things you're looking at, 100 comparisons looking for things, right? Yeah. Um, but if you also now add in like the time components and like everything else, like it's, it blows up exponentially very, very fast. And so you're going to find correlations. They're going to be yeah. in there. Um, but well, that not only that, but like the stuff that's correlated is there's, there's so much noise. Yeah. So for example, like yesterday I, I had a headache for a good chunk of the day. And then at some point I, I just took some Excedrin because I was like, all right, this isn't really, I figured coffee would help, you know, it didn't. And I took some Excedrin in the afternoon and, and it went away. Right. Mm-hmm. So that means that on days that I take Excedrin, I have headaches. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is that, uh, you know, yeah, you, so. you could think about that causally in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, or, or also like maybe like on days that I'm not feeling as well, I drink more water mm-hmm. to try to like compensate and like think, well, yeah, maybe I'm just dehydrated or something. And so that would imply that I feel worse on days that I drink a lot of water, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is true. But yeah. the causality goes the other way. Yeah. Uh, and there's also these long-term effects, right? Which is like, okay, if I exercise today, does that mean that I'm going to sleep better tonight, that I'm going to have a better mood tomorrow, that I'll feel rejuvenated? No, it means that it means that I'm going to be sore as hell tomorrow and the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, my sleep may or may not be affected. I have no idea. It might be better tonight because right? you're tired and then worse tomorrow because you've got that you're muscle sore. restlessness from all the fatigue, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and also like maybe my mood will on average improve by like, if let's say I'm rating my mood like one to 10 or something, right? Like let's say my mood will improve on average by like a half a point or a point uh, if I exercise consistently for like a month, right? Mm-hmm. So on any given day, you, you can't point the- to yeah, you can't point to like you exercised on Wednesday, so you were happy on Thursday, right? Like that's not and I and I think I think what's been useful about the the app for me so far isn't actually the the statistical correlational stuff, also because I've only been using it for you know a few, a few days. days. Um and so there's just not enough of anything in there to even look at. But it's more about kind of like we talked about last week, that just the act of Thinking about the stuff that you're doing will make you more aware of the possible linkages mm-hmm. between things. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things is that um, is that generally throughout the the pandemic, uh, probably two two three nights a week, I would have a a rum and coke. Mm. Okay, just one, right? But now that I'm like over the past, I think it's, I think I've been tracking stuff for four days now, right? And so like over these four days, I I keep thinking about how things are going to affect my sleep. Because <laughs> yeah. that's one of the things that you track, right? And and now that I'm thinking about sleep quality as something that like I can control more, right? Then I know that that alcohol tends to fuck with sleep. Mm-hmm. That's just like that's pretty well known about alcohol. Um and so I'm like, you know, I'll just not I'll just not have any. Right. Because <laughs> uh, I wanna have I want to have better sleep this week, right? But even if you wanted to so, actually measure it, because that's the thing is if you if you actually have a specific question, so you're like, I want to see how alcohol impacts my sleep, right? Uh, and so that's what you're measuring. And even if you're measuring other stuff too, the thing that you actually look at is that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, that's is you, it's okay to measure a jillion things, right? The problem is if you discover connections you weren't even looking for in the million things, right? Because there's going to be a whole bunch you weren't looking for. And mm-hmm. most of the ones that show up are going to be false, right? Yep. Uh, so, but if you go in and you're saying, I want to see, like, I want to just track the things that I think are related to my sleep, right? Because, uh, because, and then with a specific question, because then you can also 
as you're looking through the data, you can now analyze it critically because you can say like, I think alcohol impacts my sleep. Uh, so I'm going to start tracking it, but not change my behavior because you're trying to find out, right? You could, of course, just stop doing that because it's probably a good thing to do, right? But yeah. Instead of being like, know. I'm going to drink every night for two weeks and see how that <laughs> yeah. goes. And then, <laughs> so if you want to know, you're going to have to experiment on yourself, right? Um, so then you can do that. And then if you're tracking everything else too, what you can use the other stuff for is to help you rule out other possible explanations, mm-hmm. right? Because if everything else is held constant, and the only thing that changes yeah. is your alcohol intake and then the output of your sleep, then you can be pretty confident that that's actually the thing that's that's causative, right? And you can't do that if you can't see all the other stuff that could impact it. So if you're also, because like how late you stay up on the, like looking at a screen, how interesting the stuff is you're doing in the evening, you know, all those kinds of things can also very strongly impact sleep. And so if you're not controlling for those, then the end result is you actually, and if you're not, and if you can't see it either, then even if you find that connection, it could also just be that on nights that you didn't drink, you also didn't spend stay up too late watching TV or something, right? Or yeah, less well, so that, yeah, that's yeah, so that's where yeah. the that's where the the factors things comes in, which is that yeah. which is that uh, as opposed to saying like I'm just going to track literally every conceivable thing that I do, you know, you should bias toward tracking things that you believe they have good reason to believe are relevant to the information that you're trying to. Yeah pull out right so if if you think that you have like a bad habit of, of like being on your phone before bed and that that messes with your sleep then that's just a factor right which is like spent time on phone right so so if some nights you do it and sometimes you don't and then you just are tracking your sleep quality then over time you can be like okay yeah so and if it's like oh yeah it's maybe like oh there's maybe like a 5% difference at that point that's just noise right but if it's like oh it's like a 30% difference in how you rate your sleep quality then okay, maybe maybe that's something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Assuming that there's also not some other correlational thing happening that you didn't. Yeah, you can you, yeah you can use it to guide like the you know, the best guess of the next thing. But it's it's that just that tr- that age old truism that more data isn't better data, right? It's mm-hmm. you gotta have a you gotta have something that you're actually trying to to do specifically, and you have to know how to think about what the other kind of causes. Oh yeah, yeah, and this is something that we always like. This is something that we struggle with when it comes to telemetry and analytics in, yeah. in games. So we have telemetry in in most of our games as it relates to like web requests and stuff so that we know uh, we can like check into things for server health and stuff like that. Um, and then otherwise, especially in like around the time that we were developing level head, we had quite a bit of telemetry in there so we could gauge difficulty of of levels and and like whether or not certain campaign levels were overtuned and stuff like that. Um, but one of the things that kind of like kept coming up in conversation all the time was, oh, it would be cool if we could see X, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is cool to see it, but then you have to have the follow-up question, which is, okay, what would we do differently if the results looked differently than what we'd expect? Mm-hmm. Would we do anything differently or do we care, right? Because it takes it takes work and time to collect the data and then also to analyze it. Yeah, well then to uh, make a change. And yeah, and then it then it takes time to make the change. And so if if it's already a foregone conclusion that whatever the data says about this thing, you're not going to change whatever it is that you're mm-hmm. doing around that thing, then don't even collect the data cuz you're just okay. go, go measure just, something else with that time. Yeah, you know? go measure something that you're going to do stuff about. But that's like it's a common trap for just about any any especially like software company that has um oh, it yeah. has the ability to to gather data about what users are doing. 
It's most mostly just random garbage that doesn't mean anything to anybody, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah, so that, that anyway, the app is called Bearable. If you're interested in checking stuff and like tracking your stuff and trying to you know improve your sleep or whatever it is, um, yeah, definitely check that out. You guys want to get in some questions? Yeah, let's sure. do it. All right. The highest upvoted question from podcast.bscotch.net comes from Mimibip Gorky, who says, Seth hasn't made a space game in a while. Is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> have, you made a, have you made a space uh, game since the pandemic started? Yes, I made Was Space your... Demons. Mm, okay. For space the for Loot of Dare. Space, that was the one It was like a, you would get a random improvement and... Down, down proof. Is that the one you did on stream or was that something else? Uh, Yeah, that was on stream. Yeah. Okay. So I I did that one solo on stream. What was the absolute unit one? Was that before that? That Absolute units was pre-pandemic. Oh. Um, that was an that, that one that one was super fun. It, it mostly just revealed like the comically tiny limitations of computers compared to the scale of the universe, you mm-hmm. know? Because it was like, oh, one pixel is one meter. Okay, how do we how do we make the solar system? Okay, well the computer just fucking runs out of numbers almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also like the speed at which your spaceship has to travel. Uh, you know, it's like tens of thousands of meters per second mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Yeah. It's like, to work, okay. you basically have to like be continuously like rescaling like what the numbers mean. Yeah. Like yeah. So I didn't, I didn't hit the, the threshold of sort of like making a new way of having the computer understand what numbers are. Yeah. This, this is what, there's a lot of games that have like a uh, like cookie clickers or like those like constant growth kinds of yep. games where like yep. you're hitting mm-hmm. things for like quintillions of damage. So those games have to be, do that in a clever way. Where they actually don't treat numbers as numbers, they treat numbers as collections of numbers, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's like they might do like three digits like in an array, and then they could just have as many entries in the array as they want, and they have to make their own way of like operating on those numbers so that they can get as big as they need to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you basically have to like reinvent numbers in yeah. order to well, and especially make things at that like- scale. If you want fractional components, or like depending on what kind of uh, precision oh, yeah. you want to, right? It's this is one of those things that uh, that if you've never had to deal with this, and like if you've never done computer programming, actually, and honestly, the vast majority of computer programming, you don't even give a shit. You don't even notice that like mm-hmm. numbers have a finite size that they can get to, you know, and stuff. Uh, but it's one of those things that like the first time you are introduced to that, like what the fuck, you know? I, I remember the first time that I got hit with it was yeah, the idea was, that a computer just like. Just can run out of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, the first and even thing, worse, that, that, that when it runs out of numbers, they just loop right back around again. Well, maybe. <laughs> like, it depends wait on what Because it depends on, yeah, it depends on the interpreter. Yeah, it doesn't all yeah. behave the same way, right? Or or in the case of like decimal numbers, right? They don't exactly run out, but they get they run out of precision, right? So mm-hmm. like the number just starts being less and less true, but it doesn't look like you look at it, you're like, oh, the number is still getting bigger or changing. Or well, there was, there was actually a, po- a point in level heads development where I spent an entire afternoon debugging something that I was like, this, there's no way that this is wrong. It was just like a simple equality check. Like if this equals that and I'd print it out and it's like, yeah, it's like four, four and four. Right. Yep. Um, and they both had, is like 4.00, 4.00. Yeah. Those don't equal each other. I was like, what in the hell? Mm-hmm. And so, so I had to like write a, a, a way of, um, 
of displaying more and more decimals. And then I found out that it was like four point and then like 12 zeros and then three, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which like, I didn't do that. It's just that because of some aspect of the interpreter and how like Game Maker was processing some mathematical operation, it just, that's where it landed. Which is also, uh, it's always true of like, if you want something with a decimal in it, it's like one of these weirdly, and the reason it's hard is because computers store things in base two, not base 10. Right, yeah, so which is our zeros decimal and, numbers, zeros and ones. Yeah, yeah. so our, our decimal numbers are like something point something point whatever. Right, but each one of those represents a tenth or a ten x or whatever. Right, so yeah. because but because they actually get stored as in base two, you can't just neatly convert mm. those back and forth right mechanically um, and end up with like a thing that just is the same. And unless you have arbitrary precision, as in you could just like let the decimal go as long as you want, because then you could accurately represent it. But you can't yeah. though because you have finite space, you know? So, but this is also why well, well, some of our uh, Crashlands players have experienced is that if you go far enough away from the starting point in Crashlands, then weird things start to happen mm-hmm. where, where like your movement gets kind of jittery a little bit. And like most things that are moving move in a little bit janky ways. Like they kind of feel like they're stuttering or like they're snapping to things or, you know, some, some of them like aren't moving when they're supposed to be moving. Mm. And that's just because it's a floating point precision. Yeah, because you're, you're storing the, the, like their XY coordinates on a it's – a, it's, a, it's a pixel resolution, right? So it's just it's like, numbers, yeah. 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 And so what that means is that as, as you put more numbers to the left of the decimal because you're going like to a bigger and bigger coordinate, then you run out of numbers to have on the right side of the decimal. So the oh. the precision so the precision shrinks and shrinks and shrinks after the decimal. So if you if you have something that's moving, you know, like in a smooth parabola trajectory or something like that, then it can't be smooth anymore because now it's just moving in like whole pixels hmm. or even ten pixels at a time or you know whatever. Uh, yeah. So there's like a, there's this weird stuff about that computers are doing math, but they're doing it with this weird constraint, right? Which is that. You have to decide for every number that you're going to use, you have to decide how many ones and zeros it can have. Mm-hmm. And once you run out of those, you know, bad shit starts to happen because mm-hmm. the computer can't just continuously add more ones and zeros to the number yep. that you're trying to do. Yeah. And you want to do this too because you're also trying to like save on storage space and do all this other kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Because you want to be yeah. able to say like, so, so basically anytime you're like you're programming a game, games in particular because you need a lot of performance, right? And you'll be because the question is always like, what's the smallest number I can get away with? Smallest kind of number, right? Because then it's going to take up less storage. It'll be faster. Like every, everything is just better when that when that thing is really small. Um, and so you basically have to figure out like, what what can I get away with that won't get me into trouble later, right? Because yeah, you're doing it in in, in increments of a of a byte, right? So one byte, two hundred fifty six possible values. Two bytes, a lot more than that. It's like sixteen thousand, I think, at that point. I can't remember. I don't remember how it all adds up, but it scales really quickly. But you got to make that decision because the moment you choose something, you're locked in. You're locked in unless you have a system that's able to know, like, oh, this is like we did something different now, so I'll interpret this thing differently or whatever. Uh, and it's yeah. uh, so pretty hairy. So that's why uh, that's why absolute units. It kind of hit it hit the point where like the problems that I would have to solve were not worth making what ultimately would be actually a really boring game. Because yeah, <laughs> most of the time you're in the vacuum of space. There's nothing yeah, there. Yeah, because cause it, was, it was supposed to be realistic, right? So it's like, okay, well, if you have people on a ship and you're going in like long distance space travel, 
then you're going to want the ship to be accelerating at 1G because you don't want the people on the ship to be, you know, like crushed to death or have medical problems. So you want to basically just have the ship accelerate at the same speed as what Earth's gravity is, right? But so if you if you just continuously accelerate like that for hours and hours and hours, then it'll still take you months to get to like Neptune, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, so then the alternative is to accelerate. We also have to decelerate once you hit the halfway point. Exactly, you have to decelerate, right? So, so, so the 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 move would then be to accelerate for the first half of the trip and then decelerate for the last half of the trip, so that you are constantly experiencing one g, but. Uh, and, and when you decelerate, you just you flip the ship around, right? So mm-hmm. you're still you're just you're pointing your your engine at the pla- at the planet that you're going to now, or what essentially. Um, Which also means that gravity is going the opposite way it was for the first like six months you were traveling. So. Well, no, it's still going the same way relative to you. The ship the ship just flips around. Right, yeah. Right. yeah. So, but the problem is if you accelerate at one g for the first entire half of an interplanetary journey, by the time you hit that halfway point, you're going so fucking fast, like. <laughs> I so like the problem you'd have to solve there then is like let's say let's say you want to represent like oh there's an asteroid that's like uh quote close to your ship maybe it's like eight hundred thousand miles away which, which is, is like close really in close space, in space right <laughs> but you'd be going you'd be going so fast that chances are that that asteroid would never even a, appear on any kind of like way of looking at how at your ship in space mm-hmm. right and so. So then you got to figure out, okay, how do we like zoom out enough or represent sensors or some way of like seeing what's happening around you? Because things are so small and they're moving so fast that it, it, it'd be kind of like trying to like actually see a bullet, mm-hmm. like see, like see a bullet traveling through the air after being fired out of a gun, which you can't do, right? Well, and then like a bullet about space, is so right? much slower than this. Yeah. Well, this is what we always talk about with space and space games, which is like space is empty nothingness and an infinite amount of it. So like space games are never about space because that's actually like what you're describing is basically just like boring. Like you can't, you don't make a game out of that. Do you know what I mean? You have to take a, you, you, you hyper stylize it or or like, you know, make it a hyper reality, like, you know, Kerbal Space Program or something like that, where you take everything and you sort of, you get the vibe. But the only thing that makes Kerbal Space Program work is the fast forward function. Because, because once you get, even like, if you're going uh, to the moon, like that, that takes days, right? And so, like, you have to be able to enter turbo speed where you're fast forwarding at like 50x, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, you're wa- you're just sometimes watching your ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're going interplanetary, like you fast forward at like 50x or 100x speed or something, and you're just watching your ship just kind of like like you're you're on the solar system <laughs> map view, right? So you're zoomed all the way out, looking at the whole solar system. You just see this little like speck where your ship is, and it's just moving for like eight minutes, <laughs> and there's nothing else happening. You just it's just going. Um, and fortunately, they give you a timer because you know it's all math, right? So like they can figure out like, okay, when, when would your when ship get there? there at this trajectory? So you can just kind of like fast forward and like go make yourself a cup of coffee or something. Um, but if you wanted it to be actually, if the goal of the game, which is what I was doing with Absolute Units, was to say this is like supposed to be re- real to mm-hmm. actually convey like what it is actually like, then yeah, you would have to accelerate for the first half of the trip, decelerate for the last half of the trip. It would still take forever, and also you'd be going so fast that it would be nearly impossible to convey anything meaningfully yeah. happening in the game, mm-hmm. right? 
so ultimately it's kind of like, all right, well, I mean, this was a cool thought exercise. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and no further, you know? And ultimately, like, I, I think it's, it's the kind of game that I think if I didn't have anything else to do, it's the thing that it's the kind of thing I would do as a passion project. Yeah. Just, just for fun. Cause you're, cause you're not really making but a it, game, you're making a simulation, you know, trying to figure it's out. It's just like, a simulation. Yeah. 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 But it takes, it would take so, it would take years of work to actually solve all of the computer science problems mm-hmm. to actually, and physics problems, you know, to, to actually simulate yeah, what that do you, stuff. You don't even talk, add in the time dilation problem yet, you know, like there's just so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. Which on. is that, yeah. Which is that time is experienced differently at different speeds. So how the fuck do you do that? Right. Like it's, it, it doesn't even make <laughs> sense. Yeah. My anymore, favorite, my favorite, like right? hard sci-fi books that like are, you know, take place in some like far future where things are scattered across space. Uh, what I love about them is when like the, is when the author manages to pull in all of that stuff, like really like mm-hmm. truly pull it in so that they're now dealing with these enormous space scales and time scales where it creates this like really, really interesting chaos, right? Because like somebody can leave and then come back. And if you're able to travel like close to the speed of light in this like universe, right? Then they'll leave and come back and they'll be like, 10 years old or whatever. But then the place they came back to is like a hundred years of the future now. Right. And so it's like, and so now all of a sudden, like when the people are being sent places to do things, then when they get there, like a fuckload of time has passed, but that person mm-hmm. like hasn't aged, you know? And so well, like, and isn't it, isn't it the case that like light does not experience time? Yeah. Right? Like, it's like something moving at the speed of light. Time moves infinitely slowly. So, so light from its own perspective, light moves instantly. Well, it doesn't even move. It just it just is there now. It, yeah, it, it right, can't. There's possibly, no such thing as now. It can't. Yeah, exactly. There's no such thing as now. It can't experience because experience requires differences in time, right? Yeah, and light can't. So, just, so it's this, can't have that. Yeah. So it's this, this idea that like if you were moving at the speed of light, you would still, or, or like very very close to the speed of light, right? Then like you would still be. Uh, everything would seem normal to you, but so much time will be passing t- to other things, mm-hmm. right? That like, it's so like if you traveled for like four light years to go to uh, the nearest star system, which is Alpha Centauri, I think, right? So if you traveled for like four light years to get there, that trip would be like the blink of an eye for you, mm-hmm. but four years would have passed for everybody else. Which is wild, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you how do you do that in a video game where now, like, time isn't even a thing that every that every being experiences the same way? Mm-hmm. You know, you would have to you would have to actually like be able to switch reference points. So you'd be like, okay, I'm I'm at my ship now, and it's like, okay, well now, like, you're you're basically in fast fast forward mode. Yeah, for the for but your home base or for whatever. for everything else, but everything happening in your ship is happening at the normal speed mm-hmm. that you would expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There was, there was actually in a, in, the, in Interstellar the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which they they added in like they just had to add in like they t- definitely time travel loop because they just they, can't not you got but, it, you know. But the rest of the space <laughs> stuff is very cool. And but like but the moment when they get on that that planet that's like next to the black hole, right? And the idea there is that gravity is enormous. So that's that that gravity and it's all connected in a really interesting way that makes it so that if you're near something with a fuckload of gravity, you're also experiencing time differently. Slow, differently. We'll just call it yeah. that. Right. But so mm-hmm. for you, time is basically not really moving for the people's moving a lot. It's the same idea as like, there's an idea that like the event horizon, which is even like light can't escape, which kind of means that things are moving at the speed of light. Anyway. 
doesn't really matter. <laughs> Point is, time like suddenly can move really fast, right? And so, in like an interstellar, when they land on that planet for like two hours, right, and then eighty years pass for like on Earth, right? Yeah, yeah, and they and go they, back into orbit, and like the people in orbit are almost dead by then. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they just they just like land on the planet. They're there for like a, like an hour, and then they just fly like back nothing, up. Right? And, and I remember like because because this is all stuff that like I had learned and I know and like I've read a lot of sci-fi. So like this idea of like of that of that time experience difference. Um, but like having like experiencing it in that way, in that way, I haven't seen it done to that extent in any, in any other uh, sci-fi movies. But experiencing it in that way was like so horrifying. You know, mm-hmm. this this thing where it's like. They just like they just touch the planet for like a second and they come back up and, and like the the only other like a uh, uh, sci-fi stuff that's like really done that to me was the book series uh, the three body problem uh, I can't remember the mm-hmm. author's name as Chinese author uh, but it's a trilogy but as it goes towards the end it starts like really taking this stuff into account and you have this like moment at the at the end where like basically basically the characters just now don't get to experience time like the same way and there's like there's like literally a ship above them right but because of this like weird stuff that's happening time is basically just moving like infinitely fast on the surface of this planet for the ship that they want to get help from right mm-hmm. like relative to that and so and the person in the, there's somebody in the ship too and they just like know this now and they're like they're literally watching geologic time pass right on this planet that yeah. they just like left Ugh. their buddies on it's fucking so fucking wild and like and the, like there's something about that like when you're looking into something huge you know like looking into the ocean or like at a mountain in the distance or like into the void of space you know that that there's a name for that horror i can't remember what it's called but it's like it's like the giant things kind of horror you know mm-hmm. uh, but i get that with the with the time dilation stuff in some of these it's i think it's the, it's the true the true definition of awesome right which is mm-hmm. people say casually but it, it's a combination of terror and yeah awe, right? In the sense of like, awe is basically that, that sense of magnificence and beauty and whatever else, uh, but mm-hmm. paired with that terror that comes with how huge or yeah, you're like just in awe. Un, yeah, ungrockable. You can't speak. You know, yeah. something might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's every now and then you get a glimpse into something that you that you just, you, you feel like you kind of get it for just like a split second and it just like freaks you out so much. Like I was, I was even, I was even just thinking about how, uh, so I was listening to a podcast about Venus smart. You know, I just, I do, I do things like that. Just, and, and, uh, they were talking about like, what, what could have happened to Venus? Right. And one of the things they talked about was, was possible, uh, super volcano activity, which would start a runaway greenhouse effect. Um, and they were talking about how even on earth, it was like some several hundred million years ago, there was a, a volcano that appeared in Siberia that like in that region that, that spit out enough lava to warm the earth by like 12 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus. Just from and lava? It, and it, yeah. And it covered the continent and 90% of everything died. <laughs> right. Um, and, and then we were there t- they were talking about like, about this idea, like plate tectonics and stuff. And there's just like a brief moment where I was like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The Earth is fucking liquid. Yeah, like We're just floating on it. The most of the Earth is just a ball. It's a floating ball of liquid lava, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the land so hot that they're just melted. They're just yeah. liquid. They're hot liquid rocks. And then, like the land that we think is so like solid, is floating. Mm-hmm. It's floating on, and like the ocean is on floating rocks that are sitting that on are floating on lava right <laughs> like like the the 
the earth is literally made of lava, mm-hmm. right? Or magma, I guess. And, and that's and, all. And, and that's mountain. almost all of it. That's yeah. almost all of it. Yep. And every mountain right? <laughs> is coming from these enormous things floating on these rocks, bumping into each other. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, these, they're they're just banging into each other, but they're banging into each other so bigly, I guess would be the term, that that it makes mountains. And that's just, and that's just because we're floating on lava. There, I don't know. As I was thinking about this morning, there was a moment where I was just like. Oh no! <laughs> as, like, as like, what, as like, what we what we think of as solid ground is is an illusion, right? Because like we're we're actually the ground is just like this this tiny thin layer, which happens to be like a couple miles thick, right? But it's this thin layer. It's like a couple miles thick on top of like six thousand miles of magma going mm. to the core of the earth. <laughs> oh oh man! Ooh, that was then, a moment. But then but then it's always so cool though, right? Because then like what's or the core impacts of that is that we're basically like there's a spinning happening, right? Because there's like the because now things are in liquid, so like the the, the solution around very innermost part is just spinning, right? And and then that creates the magnetic fields, right? Which keeps us from being Which completely from being roasted by, by the, by the sun. sun because if we didn't have that. We just be, <laughs> we couldn't like life couldn't exist at all because it would just be vaporized too fast. Because we've got know? this iron core, you know, in a ball of magma protecting us from being incinerated by a trillion nuclear <laughs> explosions happening at the same time, eight light minutes away. Yep. So you know things are pretty good right now. <laughs> I think I'm pretty grateful. I know Thanksgiving is over, but you know that's something that I'm thankful for. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we're floating in a ball of hot magma. You know. It's it's, nice. it's it's done pretty well for us so far. Yeah, every now and then, ninety percent of everything gets killed by it. But you know, for the most part, mm-hmm. things are still going pretty good. Uh, so I think that's all the time we have for this yep. week. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together, and thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.